Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Mitchin. We are a weekly food podcast coming to you live out of Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My good friend and co-host is back, everybody. Mitchell Orr. Back. Hi, Lebs. Uh, back after a week in Adelaide and he brought a little friend with him. Nine days in fucking Adelaide. Uh, from <laughs> Orana Restaurant in Adelaide. Uh, no, I, I was like, but is it is it like like tortilla or like yellow? Um, it's just jock. That's fine. Let's okay, just leave it there. You're, you're trying to tempt your last name. Some free law. So, okay, jock it is. <laughs> uh, jock from Orana Restaurant in Adelaide has joined us, um, and uh, like it is customary that I dog your last name when you come on this podcast. Yeah, unless your name is Or. Yeah, nice I'm pretty simple. sure you've even dug that a few times. <laughs> sure. I, haven't, I haven't listened to all the podcasts. I don't feel victimized. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Not single day anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the festival that that Mitch was down in Adelaide for. Uh, yeah. It's called Tasting Tasting Australia. Then yeah. what was your what was your actual title for it? Oh, I, I, celebrity curator. I, I couldn't or get it. I, couldn't, I could never get it right. Cura, curative curator or creative curator. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> but Jock basically. It's harder to pronounce the, than your last name. <laughs> yeah. Much harder, yeah. Jock basically put the uh, guest chef lineup together for the festival. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so this is the least you can do. Pay him yes, back by exactly. Getting, getting him on this little, uh, 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 lucrative podcast <laughs> market. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the Tasting Australia Festival. Um, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that it's actually just going to be like weird gossip and like what yeah, yeah. like fucked up things happen to, to Australia's drunkest chefs. Uh, no, I didn't actually get that loose, but I mean, I went... I don't, I don't hang around for the looseness, but <laughs> I've got a couple of funny I'm stories. Sure does. I've got a couple of funny stories out of it, yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, loose stories, uh, later in the episode, we might have a very special and beloved guest uh, from the Mitch and Timeline. Drop by. Drop by for, I don't know, for, for a rant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look forward to that. Uh, but first, um, hot off the press. Not really. It happened a couple of days ago, but it's probably the funniest thing that's happened in Australian <laughs> food. Uh, the ongoing train wreck that is... Uh, someone who, whose name I proudly dog every time I try and pronounce it, uh, George Columbaris. We're really going to get sued soon. <laughs> no, no, because, because I fuck his name up every time I say it, I, it's a different person. <laughs> it's totally covered. You kind of got it right that time I said yeah, fuck. Yeah. Okay, I'll try harder to fuck it up next time. Yeah. Um, so, we've been reporting on his, you know, lack of paying his staff and doing what a good boss should do. Um, yeah. He's, uh, you know, he has, he has recently... 
unearthed in the news as someone that owes a lot of money to his stuff and apparently is trying to do right by it now, but there's a lot of denying going on and basically it doesn't, doesn't look good for the dude. Uh, and mm. you think... You think we're, we're going at him too hard? Well, at a footy, at a footy game uh, over the weekend in Melbourne, uh, people saw him. For whatever reason, all the MasterChef judges were just like on the fucking field yeah, for some reason. Yeah, it was the A-League grand final. Oh, of course. So it was like That's a big... And then obviously, I think it must have been on the same channel that whatever MasterChef is on or yeah. something. So it was all tied in. Matt Preston lay on the ground and... They got to kick the ball off from his stomach. Did they? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would pay to do that. Though. That'd be amazing. It wouldn't surprise me. A plus league. Um, but uh, from the stands, uh, a bunch of locals uh, and football supporters just started chanting at George, pay your staff, pay your staff, pay your staff. And then uh, old man got quite heated. Yeah, he got a little bit upset. And uh, quickly started. there's footage of him shoving someone that was yelling at him. And saying, come on the field then, come on the field. <laughs> and then he gets kind of like slowly taken away by police. Yeah. Where does this end up? How far uh, does this go? I don't know. Like, it's not a good look to get heated when you've just got a big TV show starting and that kind of thing. And everyone has a phone with a camera these days. But, you know, what's a bit of shit talk on the football field you know like you gotta expect it from the crowd don't you yeah especially when you it's can't get heated like it's something like, like he is like even no matter how good his intentions are of getting out of the wrong he's in the wrong in yeah, this situation i mean he said in his quotes that his there were some insults some personal insults and insults thrown towards his family right which i don't know there maybe there were and then you know let's speculate what they might have been yeah. what do you think they <laughs> no, said Mitch? definitely not gonna do Jock, that. any uh <laughs> look I, 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 I didn't know anything about this actually at all until um last night about one o'clock in the morning and my wife showed it to me and and she she, she made out that you know it was this big deal that he'd gone to fight the football whatever and then yeah. i seen the video clip and i was like he just it's not like, really he just gave a little pussy yeah. shove like no it wasn't a one inch punch or nothing it was just <laughs> like a, a little little shove yeah. and to be honest with you you know in all fairness to the guy if somebody had uh had, had started abusing my family i would have snapped yeah. probably quicker than that yeah to be in, in all fairness the trouble is for george and for uh master chef other crap tv shows are available um you know that's both george and matt preston in this in within seven day space in the newspaper for all yeah. the wrong reasons yeah, did what you did, hear what about this do? no i didn't so this kind of ties into south australia <laughs> as well but matt preston and marco pierre white's son are embroiled in a twitter beef oh that's great yeah about what uh, <laughs> so look it up or is it more, yeah more non there's i think there's something on pedestrian about it basically matt um, had a little dig on a TV show about Marco. Oh, it was on a radio show. On a radio yeah. show um, about Marco Pierre White Jr.'s face tattoos, representing him basically being a dead shit. Fuck and then, off. And then uh, Marco Pierre White Jr. went on a massive Twitter rant and basically just abusing the shit out of Matt Preston. I had, had the UK quite, press. Quite so funny. As soon as I had the UK press, um, Marco's son just yeah, lost went for it, it because yeah. he's pretty. He's pretty fiery, like yeah. his old man, and um, and then went from there. And then obviously, um, somebody it, somebody said to Marco um, when he was down in Adelaide, 
um, you know, how come he left? How come he's left Channel Ten to go to Channel Seven or yeah. whatever? And then, and then he just, yeah, he had a crack at Matt Preston, and everyone <laughs> heard it. The press overheard it. It was a newspaper these days. So. Um, but you know, and you know, Marco was was quite right. At the end of the day, he's a father protecting his son, and yeah. and it doesn't matter how out of control his son, son is or how, yeah. how out of control you think he might be. Um, your old man's always going to stick off you. That's yeah. the way it is. Yeah, it's so good. He called, yeah. he called. He called Matt Preston a fat fuck and said he was going <laughs> to slap him up. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of good ones in there. Um, yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Quite a bit of gossip. Uh, so MasterChef in the weeds is what I would say. Yeah. The, in the papers for all wrong reasons. Well, in its first week of airing. They'll, they'll, they, I mean, that's the thing, though. You can always relaunch MasterChef. Of course. I don't yeah. think anyone watches... Who the fuck watches MasterChef for those three guys? Still over a million people. Well, I mean, way. but that's not why. That, it's a comedy, like, it, I don't know. They, they haven't been fired as the host yet, so they must think that there's something to do with it. And they've got sponsors. Yeah. Well, that's it. You, you don't know what the the sponsorship will. I'm a Gary man myself. <laughs> Every week I tune in. Gary. Give me more Gary, I reckon. I don't think Less any. George, less Matt, all Gary. He could he could easily carry his own show, I reckon. Gary? Yeah. Uh, the three of them. Yeah, probably. Oh, really? I was just yeah. thinking. I, no, I reckon he probably could. You know, and he's probably the most likable out of the three of them. Well, he's just the least of, of uh of a word that I probably shouldn't call three people <laughs> <laughs> like, like <laughs> that's enough yeah. right, let's move on before we get hit with a defamation suit <laughs> but let it be known that all three of us are Gary men <laughs> uh, so speaking of Marco Pierre White he was uh, I guess what the, the, the kind of highest calibre chef uh, best known chef that was part of Tasting Australia right, aside from Mitch yep. yeah, to, the, to the general public and then uh, Anna Ross was also the other big name I'd say yep yeah um, I th- uh, yeah I mean look uh, ultimately my job was to to curate the uh, the talent lineup and the dinners that they did so you know Anna Ross is a, is a you know the best female chef um, this year according to that list and she was just here for the 50 best for the 50 yeah. best yeah um, and those flyers up and you know Marco's a, a obviously a very well known chef everyone all chefs bought his white heat when it first came out yada yada um, and so you know great ticket seller um, and then you know selecting chefs from sort of around around the country as well of who are sort of men of the moment Mitch obviously you've been one of them and Clayton um, surprise visit from Pazzi <laughs> fantastic um, um, Annalise Gregory and yeah so there was a good lineup of chefs and some really interesting dinners people would abnormally not cook with each other which was nice yeah. so like Anna Ross Paul Carmichael and Jock did a dinner awesome Clayton Marco and Jock did a dinner Jock put himself in every dinner <laughs> um, Jock I, Jock myself and Marco did a dinner with the guys from Fino um, yeah there was a pretty huge lineup. And then there was a big like party. Josh Nyland did one. Josh with, Nyland with and Annalise did one together. Yeah. And then like with local Adelaide talent as well. Like Duncan, just Duncan, just Duncan, Duncan and Big Dunk, yeah, Big Dunk. He cooked with um, um, Fardor, um, Lennox. Oh, with Lennox, yeah. Um, yeah, which was uh, Lennox and I can't remember who else. Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty chock a block. Duncan's, week of events Duncan's done three episodes and I can now kind of pronounce his last name so you just need to do two more and I'll, 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 I'll be almost <laughs> <Okay>. there <laughs> I think I think all the all the all the events tied in with, with actual testing Australia sold out um, well in advance of, yeah. of the event um, and most of the, the dinners like you know your dinner at the Fino satellite things yeah all the, all the central dinners sold out and the big ones certainly sold out within minutes yeah. um, and then the satellite dinners were sort of about 70% 
and booked by the end of it if you if you if you take all of them there was a couple of them were cancelled so I brought the yeah. average down a little bit but yeah. Um, yeah it was great you know over 50,000 people through the door um, in the town square which is pretty big for Adelaide yeah, it's huge um, so yeah it was great yeah it was a good week it was a good week got a round of golfing which is always oh, important excellent. yeah and then uh, so we got down there on Saturday and drove straight out to the Barossa to Seppertsfield winery and then um basically just hung out and did burnouts in the Audi that Audi was nice enough to supply for us which Jock doesn't want me to say no you can't do, you can't do burnouts in them anyway it's all we'll drive um, and then we did a dinner for 350 people on the Sunday night which was pretty hectic how was that for you you don't cook for 350 people neither do no, I actually well, so yeah the most we sort of cook for is 120 in a yeah. night but even then you're sort of you're not prepping for 120 and it's staggered so when they asked for the recipes I'm like I don't know how much fucking food I need for 350 people (laughs) I'm like you know here's 10 you guys multiply it and work it out and we ended up having plenty of food yeah but yeah, so I did a King George Whiting dish. You would have had to order upwards of 35 boxes of jats. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't have to do a canapé this time, luckily. <laughs> but I took the easy route of doing the first course after canapés so I could do a cold raw fish dish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did King George Whiting, green olive puree and fried curry leaf. Yep. Pretty easy to execute for 350 people. No cooking, no nothing. We just sort of brine the fish. And on the night, Marco came in and and introduce himself and you know there's quite a few Marco stories it's really good <laughs> so the drinking game do a shot every time Marco there's a good Marco story so Marco you know we came in do and a had shot a chat. every time Marco is mentioned not actually doing any work no, yeah. <laughs> so he came in had a chat la 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 and then um, we played him my dish up and he's like looking at the dish he's like oh you know what, what's going on I was like you know this is what we did blah 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 he's like oh very clever dish very clever we are very easy to execute for 350 people very consistent very clever dish I was like cool thanks Marco that's, that's really nice to hear the next night we threw a party at Sonny's Pizza me, Duncan, Victor and Pussy just for like fun not an official Tasting Australia event but just a fun thing to do on a Monday night and Marco rolled through so Marco had dinner, made him a carbonara, blah, blah, blah. And then Marco and Duncan were sitting outside. And I was like, I guarantee you Marco does not fucking remember me. After spending six hours with him yesterday, I guarantee he's got no fucking idea who, who I am. So I went outside and said, hey, Marco. He's like, hello, boy. How are you? you know? <laughs> I was like, I'm good, Marco. How was, how was your dinner? How was your carbonara? Yeah, it was really good. You know, the pasta was very al dente. Some might say too al dente, but that's how I grew up with it. La, la, la. And then Marco and Duncan were talking about the next night's dinner, which was Jock, Clayton and Marco's dinner in, in the glass house. And Duncan had done his dinner the night before. So Marco was asking Duncan how the dinner had went and what needed, you know, what Marco needed to know. And Duncan was like, oh, yeah, you know, it was like pretty easy. I did it to share because, you know, it was a bit easier for the numbers and stuff like this and la, la, la. And then Marco's manager came over and just out of nowhere, it was like, Marco, your dish at last night's dinner, the best. The best by far. So good. We'll get on to that later. So after this, this reminded Marco of the dinner the night before. And Marco says to Duncan, Duncan, you wouldn't believe some of the food at this dinner. You wouldn't believe it. 
I was embarrassed, Duncan. And I was like, oh, this is great. He doesn't have any fucking idea who I am. This could really go either way. Duncan. Raw fish and curry leaf. What is that? How does that work, Duncan? Tell me. <laughs> Raw fish and curry leaf, what is that? We're talking about my dish, which the night before he told me was very clever. I was now telling Duncan that it was a piece of shit. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Marco. Did you let on that that nah, was your dish? No, 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 no. I just let it go. I just had a little chuckle in my head and then went back inside to tell Bussy about it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so good, Marco. So good. He was like your guy when you were growing up, right? No, no, no. No? No, not at all. Like, the first cookbook you ever lent me when, I, when we- Was like, Waheen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was it? Well, Marco's, Marco is the dude. Like, without Marco, we, no one would probably give a fuck about chefs. So, you know, when you, when you look at White Heat, like, it's still, it's really old school, but it's still pretty cool. And you can see the attraction and why people became interested in cooks. So, when you did your dinner at Glass House, we got given the 25th anniversary edition mm-hmm. of White Heat. And you flick through it and it's like fucking crazy plate ups and all these mad terrines and this and that. And then for the dinners, Marco decided that he was just going to cook polenta and wild mushrooms. So there's a bit of disconnect from what you see <laughs> when you get this book yeah. and then to polenta and mushrooms. So anyway, Marco cooked polenta and mushrooms for 350 people at our dinner in the Barossa. I'm not going to besmirch him too much, but (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't great. There was a lot of truffle oil involved and a lot of baby parsley microherbs involved, which are two of my least favorite things. So, Marco's sous chef had had about six massive fucking pots of polenta going and had six volunteers standing there stirring this polenta for about three hours before the dish was ready to go. And they all looked like they were about to keel over and die. And every now and then Marco would come in and just laugh at them. (laughs) 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 Like arms about to fall off whisking this polenta. Anyway, it came time to serve Marco's dish. So Marco, myself and Jock were putting the finishing touches on Marco's polenta. A couple of guys would put the polenta into a dish and the mushrooms would come from being held hot in the oven and we would scoop them up with our hands and put them on top of the polenta, parmesan cheese, olive oil, parsley cress. Pretty simple. Marco got right into it. We'd be plating it up and every now and then, too much fucking olive oil. Don't drown it in fucking olive oil. More fucking cheese. Fucking less herbs. Less cheese. <laughs> fucking less cheese. More olive oil. More, get the fucking mushrooms over here. So we, I get to the end of a tray of mushrooms and I'd have the mushrooms scooped up in my hands, ready to put on a plate, and Marco would come over, take the mushrooms out of my hand and put it on his side, on his side of the dish. I'd be like, more mushrooms, please. <laughs> and then uh, if Marco wanted something and it happened to be past me, he would just like gut me out of the way <laughs> or just like reach straight over me. And it was fucking hilarious to be pushed around by Marco at, in 2017. In 1993, it might not have been hilarious, but in 2017, it was pretty funny. And then at one point, one of the guys helping was putting parsley cress on top of the dish and Marco lost it. What are you fucking doing? It's not a fucking herb garden. Loosen your fingers up. Don't fucking be a fucking pig. <laughs> and the guy's just like, oh, all right. I don't know what the difference was between the last 10, but okay, Marco, yes, chef, no worries. 
And then, so it all went out and Marco was very chuffed. Jock, see that? Nice and hot for everybody. Goes out. Very, what did that take? 10 minutes? Very good. Went outside for a cigarette. So we went outside to join him just for a chat. And then the chef who was helping, who Marco just yelled about, at the parsley about the parsley croissant, walked past to go to the bathroom. And Marco was like, Jock, I just fucking bollocked that guy. And Jock was like, why? He's just here to help. Why do you need to bollock him? And Marco's like, he's a fucking pig. He's a fucking grub, Jock. He's a f- you should have seen the way he was putting the herbs on, Jock. He's a fucking pig. Meanwhile, Marco's in his white apron. is brown. It's just like covered in mushroom oil and parmesan cheese and parsley cress from wiping his hands on his apron. And the bench, after we'd finished, had looked like someone plated the polenta and the mushrooms up on the bench. <laughs> it was like everywhere. And Marco was like just giving it to this poor guy for being a pig. Meanwhile, Marco's like brown from mushrooms. Ziggy <laughs> so, and mouth. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. That, that's my Marco P.O.Y. experience. Being told one day it was clever, the next day it was shit. Being pushed around. Knowing who you are, not knowing <laughs> yeah, not who you knowing are. And then through the rest of the week, he saw me enough times that he'd give me a little nod and a yeah. little smile as he walked past. Yeah, really, really, really amusing. I, w- I really wish he started calling you Curry Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All you did for the rest of it was take the piss out of me because I, was, I just had a permanent frown in my face because there was something that I had to deal with. <laughs> the, the next morning, I walked out of the elevator in the hotel and Jock like came across. And says, just give me a. I just need a cuddle. Just give me. Just give me, just give me a hug. <laughs> so Jock, when you bring someone out. For, I mean, you know, he's not essentially your responsibility, but you are, you were responsible. kind of was putting, by the end of it. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, how much of, of, of your responsibility is someone? Look, when, like when, you, when you invite anyone uh, to come and cook in your town, then you, they are your responsibility. And Mitch, mm-hmm. all the guys were my responsibility, ultimately, and no more so than him. And when he rang, <clears throat> he was filming Hell's Kitchen in Sydney or Melbourne. I think it was Sydney. Sydney, he was filming Hill's Kitchen, so he'd been here for eight weeks. And then he was bored with Bondi, he decided, and so he rang up and said, I'm going to come down early. And so he came down a week early. And so you can imagine an event like that, it kind of, it's, it's a bit of organisation that happens before it. You've got to get your shit together a little bit before it starts. Yeah. And I got a phone call to say he's arriving a week early um, just to hang out. And it's like, yeah, yeah, and I'm on the phone going, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, sure, why not? You know, come down, so, you know, change the tail, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he's... You know, he wants to have a look around, go and eat in some places, you know. And there was, you know, there's t- guys like him who, who are very eccentric now. Like, you know, if you look at Marco back in the 90s, yeah, he was, everyone, did, the kitchen's run on fear, three Michelin stars, all the rest of it. Um, it's very different now. He's an eccentric mm. old dude who used to have three stars. Um, it doesn't make him, you know, he's one of the best bosses I ever had. He, without question, was one of the best chefs of his time. Where did you work for him at? Um, the restaurant Marco Piawai, Criterion, Quavares, yeah, Les Avers, a bunch of them. But he's now an eccentric guy who still gives huge amounts back to the industry, but mm. he's in a bubble, like totally yeah. disconnected from shit today. Um, and so then he makes really, like, really. Um, brazen statements like you know, um, like and Jasmine Indian restaurant is awesome 
But, you know, is it the best meal that he's, he's had in Australia? I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's good. I love it. And and, and I love the guys that run it. But, um, yeah, he's, you know, he, he, he plays that card where it's, you know, then ultimately he'll say something that's safe. You know, he's not upset anyone by saying that Jasmine Curry has his, was the best meal he had in Australia. Do you, know, do you see what yeah. I mean? Mm. So... Um, and like any superstar, they need looking after. You, you need to be there all the time. And so then, you know, there's a few, there's always a hand grenade every day. There's three or four hand grenades get thrown <laughs> your way and you have to try and straighten it out and bring egos back into where they should be. And then there's the manager, his agent, who's George, Slippery George, we call him, <laughs> who is lovely. I love the guy. Um, but, you know, there's, al- there's always... It's not just as easy as, you know, Mitch, we need to do this, that, or the other. There's yeah. always 155 billion conversations that you need to have in order to, to sort shit out. So it's tough, really tough. Um, I have to interrupt just for one moment. We've got a very special guest uh, who's recently uh, been in the wars. <laughs> come, come over here, Jackie. Come Jakey. over here, Jackie. Been in the wars. Correct the, the, Korean, the, the Korean rice cake wars. <laughs> what did you Chang. He didn't even throw it in, in his book. What have you done to yourself? I deep fried a, ri- a couple of rice cakes and they exploded in my face. Hello, oh, mate. Jesus, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm Jake okay. from Mary's is here, everybody. Jake's Hello, life. everybody. <laughs> Jake from Mary's, the unicorn. Oh we actually God. record this, the, the Mitch and Every Week above the unicorn. So it's uh, it's sad that we haven't had you in every single week. I couldn't. I've been really mortally offended <laughs> up until right now. And then I just like have the great gate crash to get in. <laughs> So, uh, Jake, before you landed yourself in hospital for, for, for deep Horrific burns, burns. You're covered in... Sp- I, I, yeah, so they're, they're all like first degree, yeah? Wow. Yeah, they're, they're really, really superficial. At home, sober. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck me, you know? Fuck you, Jake Smythe. Uh, yeah, it's my own fault uh, completely. I just deep fried some fucking rice cakes. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck. I'll deep fry some rice cakes. And I was lent over and they fucking bang. Smoke, and then a series of them, but the first one just copped me a beauty, a fucking beauty right in my fucking head. Whoa. Um, so straight into the bath, blah, 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 water, water, water. And then my wife's like, do we need to go to hospital? I was like, yeah, definitely need to go to hospital. She's like, all right, we'll drive. I was like, no, get the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want these burns to get worse. I've got to get the water. I'm secretly knowing they're going to medicate me heavily. <laughs> so I was not sober for very long. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. Anyway, that's my head. Before that happened, you were also in Adelaide. And uh, before we get to the story yes. of why you were there, uh, Jock, you mentioned hand grenades. <laughs> yes. What was your favorite hand grenade that you could share with us before uh, we hear from Jake? Um, Can we talk about the panda um, theory? Yeah. So the, and the, so I liken I liken all these these super famous guys to pandas, and it was the same. We we had we had uh, yeah giant pandas. You know, like pandas, right? That's what they're called, the black and white yeah. giant pandas. And so um, the guys from Top Gear were exactly the same. Those three fuckers. They were you guess at Tasting Australia last year? No, 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 they weren't. But <laughs> I've had them in town before, and and it's like the the. the, the I mean, they, they are. Everyone goes, "Whoa, the panda's like, wow, the panda get photographed, selfies, fucking everything." The panda, right? But the panda doesn't actually fucking do anything at all. It just sits there. <laughs> it doesn't do anything, it, and the panda doesn't move of its own accord. It doesn't feed itself. It doesn't do fucking shit. So you need to do everything around the fucking panda, so as everyone can go, "Whoa." The you know, like it's fucking frightening. Like one of those killer whales. And so when, so you can only, yeah, exactly. You can only have so many fucking pandas at an event, seriously, because it's just all time consuming. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, 
Hand grenades, favourite one would have been, without question, um, <laughs> the Tuesday Marco's dinner with Clayton, where um, f- there was two, there was a double hand grenade that day. So there was <laughs> everything had been planned. We're planning up individually because it's much easier. So you can imagine if the, you're feeding 160 people, there are there are people who have booked as a two or four or six or fucking twelve, whatever, right? So all the seating arrangements are different. So the plates were just supposed to be individual. That's how Duncan fucked himself the night before <laughs> because he was doing shared plates, um, which in theory is a great idea if everybody's happy to share. But when people are paying 190 yeah. bucks, they don't want to be sh- sticking the spoon in and sharing with someone they don't know. And so, you know, it made, it made f- exactly, <laughs> made, made for a dif- difficult evening for them. So, of course, then Marco uh, gets drunk with Duncan and Duncan's all right, uh, shared plates, blah, blah, blah. And then Marco decides in all his wisdom, uh, whatever o'clock that was at Sunny's, while he was drunk that he would change to share plates and I was like no don't like so I just got told forget everything all the plates that have been ordered forget all the portioning forget everything we're changing it all to shared which was was a bit of a, a, a problem obviously given the night before etc so anyway that's fine he's going to and it was the same dish from yeah. Sunday well there's two he did two dishes that night the mushrooms polenta and also a lamb oh, dish man. so it was the old lamb rump beans whatever how was it? Um, it was great, perfectly cooked. It was perfect. It was beans and lamb with, with a killer sauce. It was Jeez, very simple, God. very nice. Um, however, one of those was, I mean, like you said, it was nothing like what was in the book. So it yeah. wasn't, you know, like Clayton did a killer dish, look beautiful. Food you know, yeah. simple. A simple Protect, food. And he was just. Protecting the name there. Yeah, very, yeah. very obsessive about heat retention. Yes. Um, and all the plates. So, um, anyway. He decided that only him and I would play up on the pass. So he shut the doors to the kitchen uh, <laughs> and, and locked us in, turned the fans off so the kitchen would be like a gazillion degrees um, to retain the heat in the place. Jog? Yes, Marco, no problem. Um, and then it was just him and I playing 160 plays. And so Taris from A Quarter Barrels was stood in the corner like in a state of fucking shock, just uh, what was going on, like red hot fucking beans out of the water double hands and Marco be Marco is like use two hands you got two fucking hands use two hands use two hands <laughs> like yeah using two hands booning both of them at the same time thank you <laughs> awesome fucking love it great more please Marco um, but you know oh, it, they it, don't look like this yeah, yeah. No. Your, your hands look yeah. way better than Jake's face <laughs> <laughs> so, so to be fair they did before he burned himself too <laughs> <laughs> so that's it but I mean for anyone you know like I've got to say though for all the Coron Blue kids the TAFE kids yeah, you, you know all came and worked for free that was something they'll remember for a long mm-hmm. time in Adelaide for especially sure especially one got bollocked <laughs> yeah well that, well, this is it and it's one of those things I've said to Mitch is like you know Marco's met service and for, what, he'll ask for something completely fucking randomly he doesn't need it like is he a spoon spoon give me a spoon 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 and he'll be looking at someone like shouting spoon 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 repeatedly fucking 15 times a second and then the, this Coron Blue guy's just like that like a rabbit in the fucking headlights <laughs> like no fucking idea what's going on and then he'll turn around to me and it's my fault Jock, what is it doing? <laughs> it's, like, it's just Mark is in a state of shock. Like it's taking time for him to understand that you've spoken to him. First of all, <laughs> secondly, he's wondering why you want a spoon when you're you're saying use your hands, use your hands. He's confused. <laughs> you know, it's perfectly normal. An aggressive panda, <laughs> a fight panda. He's a fight panda. So on the the Saturday night, we did a bit. Jock and I did a big event, the final. Night, Chef Supper Club, and then mm. Jakey, you were down in Adelaide as well for one event out yeah, in the Adelaide Hills. They tell me I was. Yeah, <laughs> those not there for very long. <laughs> I don't remember a great. What deal time of it. do you remember up till? 
Oh, 7.30? Jesus. What time, what, time did the, what time did the event start? <laughs> oh, they said 4 o'clock, but I got there at 6. <laughs> I read the thing wrong. So all the guys were there, and I turned up, and they were in the shit. So Tom uh, Shawbrook had dropped me, and he's in... In his great wisdom, had dropped us like um, a jerry can of uh, of red wine. Wow. And so I drank that in about an hour oh um, with Kenny. And then I just stopped working about 7.30. I couldn't do it anymore. I was very fucking pissed. So what, what were you supposed to be doing? Cooking burgers, of course. Doesn't take a high level of skill, just a lot well, of aggression, sobriety. evidently. Yeah, yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Sobriety, and I never burn myself or hurt myself. And then, yeah, see, now don't be drink, don't be sober when you fucking cook. <laughs> so, was that part of Tasting Festival as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so I tar- that was a terrace. Uh, like Lead barrels. Yeah, and they did fresh. It was a whole range of things. Thirty winemakers from the hills and surrounds from South Australia doing fresh wines. So wines that were um, had just finished ferments, or maybe some of them, maybe not even quite that. Um, but the idea was just to kind of show the vintage, uh, show super fucking fresh, vibrant, alive wines that had just been done before any tricks can get pulled. You know, because for all the terms of natural winemaking, there's tricks. There's winemaking tricks. There's no, uh, no subterfuge with chemicals, but, you know, they've got a few things up their sleeves. So this was just about seeing what it is right now, and it was 
amazing. It was so mm. great. Juice and burgers. Yeah, so exactly. Fresh, boozy juice and some burgers and, you know, a fat guy yelling at you with who's got it looks like he's <laughs> holding <just> fucking <laughs> finished a meth session and is picking <laughs> the bugs out. So I was pretty, I'm, I imagine it was quite confronting for quite a few people. Yeah. Why, is that, why is that car, why is that guy whose car looks like he's broken? Yeah, he looks like his car's broken down, just <laughs> wielding a jerry can around the side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why did he just yell at me? He said he was going to fuck me. <laughs> that guy's aggressive and nasty. I didn't want any spoons though. Did they? <laughs> and, 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 I, and I thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, right. Because I would have got a phone call. Yeah. He wants, he wants spoons. <laughs> Fuck. Jack's might sing something about spoons, but we can't really pick it up. Past his gauze and bandages. <laughs> did they? Did Taris end up making the world's biggest field blend? Yes, and it was pretty delicious. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it was volumetrically the largest field blend. I didn't see the receptacle it was in, but I'd taste it. I think it was something. It's thirty wines that were already. He probably blended to fuck <laughs> to make them legitimately tasty in the day. So I don't know the final numbers. Uh, again, like I said, I don't remember much past seven thirty. So good for you. That's yeah, about, I know, fuck, it's that's about the recap I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was thanks. great. Though. I mean, how great's Adelaide though? I'll be honest. Like I uh, haven't spent a lot of time there, but the time that I have spent there has been. I just am constantly fucking uh, blown away. By the industry and like uh, and the the quality of cooks and the engagement that everyone seems to have. So, yeah, have me back again, Adelaide, and I'll get fucked up with you all the time. From a uh, from a nightlife perspective too, I think Adelaide is uh, actually like one of the funnest cities. Uh, say funnest cities to DJ in for me at the moment. Like the awesome. few, last few times I've been there, it's like people actually go out. And men stay the music out. Scene and it's great. Like yeah. Amazing, right? Like I just listening just been listening to that Bad Dreams album that, mm. that just came out and I'm fucking just overwhelmed with how great it is. And it's coming out of that little tiny tight-knit music community which is, you know, has been ignored for quite a long time I think in in Australia and well not ignored but you know like it's just been a little Adelaide and it's certainly not a little Adelaide at the moment I would I would argue mm, so I'd agree and I think yeah Michael was kept cracking on about you know uh, Adelaide being a sleeping giant mm. in terms of food you know we've got some super interesting restaurants like you know and we're lucky to have you know, guys like Duncan cooking Africola is you know fucking restaurant at the minute there's a new Japanese opening the Shobo show with um, um, old mates yeah, yeah. And, but the, the guy that Kardashi that owns uh, that restaurant has got a group of nine really fucking good restaurants now. So there's the, there's a great kind of thing going on down there at the moment, and long may it continue because the public are supporting it. So yeah. it's good. I went down for the first time a year, about a year ago to cook at Africola with Duncan, and even in that year, to see the growth and the the growth in the industry itself and in the sort of community is like really amazing. Like you can eat. I was there for nine days and I ate really fucking well every day from, you know, Jock's two restaurants, Blackwood and Arana, Africola, Pawana. I've been to Blackwood. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Pawana. Enjoy it. Yeah, Louis, Louis Schofield, uh, when yeah. he was working there, he got me to come through one time yeah, for a gig. It was great. Cool. Yeah. I, I didn't quite get 7.30 jerry can drunk, but I wasn't. <laughs> 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 it, gets, it gets pretty loose in there. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like if you're in Adelaide, you can eat really fucking well from yeah, from breakfast to dinner till, you know. Do you think that? It, do you think that it's like a jock that it's a certain about thing about um, the lack of restrictions? Say, for example, with boring shit like licensing and the lack of 
poker machines from Captain Nick Xenophon, those kind of focuses that are making a big difference to or, or re- the retention or creation of culture, like music and food? It's a combination of that and also the fact that in Adelaide, you know, our rent prices are so much cheaper than, than yours, yeah, right? So <laughs> for, you know, for us in Blackwood, for example, you know, rent's like two grand a week or something, you know, yeah. and for a reasonable size space. And that's space. on the main drag. And that's on, that's on the main drag. And But also that gives guys that are starting out a good crack at being able to do it whereas in Sydney I mean I don't know how you, I don't know how you can do it without help I mean we don't have any backers or anything so it's more difficult for us as a business anyway forget using native ingredients aside and it was the hardest possible road to go but like for someone starting with a crazy idea if they want to do something fucking totally left field you can afford to do that and still have a reasonable location and have a chance of survival but yeah music music decent politicians good liquor licensing sensible liquor licensing you know as well Um, you know even conversations now about um, you know traditionally in Adelaide you weren't allowed to stand up and drink outside so like we just go to them and go can you can you just talk me through why you know and then if there's no decent answer to change it you know yeah. it's like you can have actual conversations with people as, and I don't think you can do that here so much no you definitely can't <coughs> now, was there some weird thing about pop-up restaurant and pop-up bar laws a couple of years ago um, like I, I, I know a whole bunch of like of smaller bars kind of got shut down recently in Adelaide is that no, I mean, they, they, they brought small bars in. And right. so small bars have opened, you know, everywhere, which is great. Like I say, it's, you know, guys that are, are gun bars, barmen or chefs that are working in small places that can afford to go and do it on their own. And, and that brings a huge variety. Um, you know, it, it just means there are less mega restaurants like you guys have here and much more smaller ones. And they range from sort of 30 covers through to like, you know, at the most 100 Really? Do you know what I mean? There's very few restaurants in Adelaide that are over 100 covers. Yeah. I like yeah. that. No, it really needs to be over 100 covers. 350, though. That's the sweet spot. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> 350. I went out to mention that Sunday night in the, the, the winery, that dinner, and I just looked outside and I went, I've never cooked a wedding before. Yeah. Because that's what it's it looked basically like. basically what it, it is, like yeah. Fucking was, 350 it was, people. It was all at once. Field winery. <laughs> In the, in, the, yeah, in the barrel room so it was pretty it was pretty like it looked pretty it looked amazing, amazing yeah. but it was literally like How cooking that? for a wedding 350 portions 350 of covers. But carbonara it was super fucking smooth actually like I was really surprised it was amazing it was I just did um, raw fish ah. green olive puree and yeah. co no cooking bro <laughs> yeah. Marco, Marco thought it was terrible did he? <laughs> he said did he just look at it and go like, have one bite and then just put it down he actually, chopsticks he actually and then just say how was it? yeah it was fine he actually <laughs> picked up a fried curry leaf at one point and put it in his mouth and was like what was that I just ate? <laughs> that was a curry leaf marker and there was like, right. No bamboo, no <laughs> good. <laughs> but yeah, like it was actually like the guys at Fino did an amazing job to make that Incredible. run so smoothly. Like it was, it was crazy. And to Marco's credit at the end of that dinner, he was pretty pissed sitting outside and literally every single person at the dinner formed a fucking conga line to come and take a selfie with him. And, and he, he did sat it. there for like two and a half hours. Yeah, two and a half he hours. Sat there and Good literally man. took a photo with everybody. <laughs> Good man. I think everyone just had to like top his uh, wine glass up every now and then, and you know. But there was a couple of times that he sort of cracked the shits through the week. But I think yeah. maybe because that was right at the start, he was. I mean, I, really yeah, I, th- I think, but he 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 was very generous with his time throughout the week, which you know, he, look, he understands. He understands that you know, um, he's of a certain ilk in terms of generationally 
chef wise yeah. um, but people still look up to him they still want selfies and spend time with or whatever and it kind of makes people's day and he knows that he's aware of it and he's very generous with his time which you've got to respect how would you how long would you have lined for for like three minutes <laughs> <laughs> just on your phone the whole time yeah I was going to turn up and like ah oh, fuck out of battery so I can't even selfie ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much pretty much do you want this back so uh we almost perfectly segued or sigged into it um, earlier <laughs> when uh, you brought up music, Jake, because uh, mm. you had a big announcement recently that we should have had you come oh, in yeah. on immediately. Mm. We tried. I actually really wanted you to come in with Goxie last week. I thought that would have been a classic. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I missed it. Um, yeah, so yes, the big announcement is we're reopening the Lansdowne Hotel. That's fucking amazing. Wow. And it's For five weeks away, 15th of June, we will have bands playing there and uh, the lights will be on and the fucking pizza will be cranking out and I'll be fucking shit-faced in the corner. Uh, it's at the Lansdowne Hotel. <laughs> Nervous as fuck and hoping people turn up. Oh, the Lansdowne is a, is a Sydney icon. In fact, it's the first place I ever put on a, a party at. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. I, I put on a party when I was like 18 called Ooh. The Awesome Lounge. Awesome. <laughs> and it was they always had bands playing there Amazing. on Sundays. And then after there was nothing from like bands till, till the venue closed. So I would just... I couldn't really DJ but I would just play CDs from their CD players and it was called The Awesome Lounge and I got paid like a cut from the bar really? yeah yeah that's you should come so back do and do, do, awesome do that again? absolutely absolutely and I have heaps of CDs <laughs> luckily for you I've been collecting them. So this isn't this isn't just you and Kenny this time this is uh, you, no it is it this is, is me and Kenny but it's one of the rules as well um, no look they're doing the booking for us right cool um, which is amazing I think one of the key parts I think is you kind of I don't know if I'm growing up, but I'm getting a little bit more world aware is that you, like whilst great opportunities come and we do have financial backing. Like I don't have fucking $12 million to buy a fucking huge three-story pub. Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but we also, we look, we, we took one look at it knew that we needed, it needed like, to be live, a live music venue. It wasn't going to be a food and booze operation. Um, need to have entertainment. And we also knew that we knew fucking nothing about it. So we got in contact with the people who would be best suited to do it. And, you know, they've got a great history, um, the Rule Boys, of obviously... The Annandale. The Annandale Hotel. And, you know, though it's just up the road, kind of like sister pubs, kind of, um, as far as the music scene's concerned. And having them back finishes a... Uh, you know, at, 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 uh, turns, hopefully turns a corner in what's been happening in Sydney culturally, which has been the closure of a lot of pubs uh, and live music venues specifically. And a lot of them, ironically, have turned into food and beverage <laughs> yeah. venues, which is, you know, a, a mix of good and bad. Um, but we, it, what can't be ignored is that we need more live music venues. And so, yeah, the Broadways are involved um, and they're booking the venue upstairs. 250, 300 capacity. Unreal. It's a great style room. We're working with all the guys to make sure that the fucking touring bands want to turn up and play there because the fucking sound is amazing. Working with council. And, you know, I don't want to... I, I, we need to stop ragging on council, uh, uh, Mary's, etc. because we've had the most incredible uh, experience with them. Uh, Sydney City Council and the last kind of... In this, in this period, um, they kind of... Co- they contacted us to see what they could do to help. For the yeah, wow, that's like, crazy. That's unheard of. What's happening here? Um, and this guy, Hugh, who's one of, you know... Splashing uh, hot oil in your face to yeah, work yeah. And see if, make sure you weren't dreaming. <laughs> um, yeah, look, mate, they, they, they literally um, have been a dream. And, you know, I got a quote of support from the Lord Mayor. Wow. Supporting something I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to send, I just want to like scream, just to 
Jerry Pickens, like, yeah, Jerry can drunk Jake. Well, the Lord Mayor says I'm okay. So <laughs> fuck you and give me another beer. Um, look, I'm, I'm overwhelmed uh, with that support and I'm also very overwhelmed with the fucking stress. Of, you know, I'm a bit nervous um, about, obviously, it's a big thing. But fuck, you live once, huh? This could be like, you know, I, I agree with you. This is almost like a turning point. You know, maybe this is the beginning of everybody, you know, stop feeling sorry for themselves and actually trying to make the change that, that, that the city needs. I think so. I think artists have been getting on with it. Uh, a lot of musicians have been getting on with it. Um, I think it's time that operators get along, just get on with it. It's not about giving up on the Keep Sydney Open movement. It's not about no, giving up on the lockout areas. It's about kind of adapt, adapting and changing and moving and keeping the pressure on by just doing it somewhere else you know the problem's not going to change we're just going to shift it no. so let's keep engaging with what's going on and try to make the venues better and safer of course but um, the, you know there is a point where the people who are responsible the police the councils local government etc they need to engage with this properly too and you know what I'm, I don't know anything about that shit really um, and I don't want to get political all I know is how to run venues and we want to fucking keep it we want to keep putting the pressure on that side. And the opportunity came up and, um, yeah, we're fucking hitting it. So I opened five weeks and I'm, I've got the time to sit and talk to you, Ratbag. So we must be... Must be there. I'll probably start shooting myself again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me about what, what's like the music policy. Is there, is there one or is it just kind of... No, 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 there's no music policy. The music policy... Well, the music policy is inclusion um, and it's inclusive. We're setting it up so that we can patch in two extra subs and put on fucking EDM nights upstairs for, for those kind of... Um, uh, that crew. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a rock and roll room. What's, your, um, what's the license till? 3 a.m. Monday to Saturday will be open and then 12 o'clock Sunday. Okay. Have you started locking in regular club nights yet? No. All right. The awesome lounge is coming back. Down Sunday night. <laughs> awesome I'm fucking in. To the 10 people that remember it. <laughs> My parents. <laughs> Chris okay. Levins is coming back in the club, everybody. Yeah, t- 10 was being rather generous. Yeah, wasn't definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think if anyone's going to pull it off, it's it's you guys. Well, it's Recon. Yeah. Um, Jock, can you talk a bit about Arana Foundation? Um, yes, um, in short. Um, I actually don't know anything about it. Okay. Like to know. I didn't get a chance to talk about it. In so we, um, I, many, many years ago, I started going out into indigenous communities and realized how impoverished and shite their life is. Um, and so I wanted to do something about it. Um, and so I had, I had this crazy idea that I would start a foundation that would give back to the communities by... Um, uh, using their ingredients but connecting it with a culture at the same time so the presentation of those ingredients through food would be in a different way than the 1980s 1990s bush tucker shite that everyone remembers um, <coughs> so yeah, yeah he's a good fellow um, all great fellows um, all had a good crack at it um, none of them succeeded and there was a reason for that they just they just failed to um, tie in any kind of sort of cultural re- relevance to those ingredients and understand it properly. So um, that kind of that that was sort of 2001, um, and it took me a long fucking time to get my head around it. And trips to the Amazon, hanging out with Alex Tatala, and and going out into communities, you know, every month, every other month. I left the kitchen for six years to 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 just do more of it. Um, 
And the reason that we opened Arana was because Australia had kind of got to a stage where it was possible to to do the kind of food that we do at Arana now. Um, but also, we needed something to point to because as much as I was banging on about, oh, you know, I would like to start a foundation and give back, everybody was like, oh, Bush Tucker, shite. Like, you know, you've worked in three Michelin star restaurants, just open a fucking nice restaurant and everyone will come um, without the native shit. And I just didn't want to do that, so we just kept pushing. Um, and so the reason Arana exists was so we could open the foundation. And sort of four years on, um, Arana's um, sort of just banging through hundreds of native ingredients, and we're learning loads about them more and more. Um, but we're able to get funding for the foundation off the back of the success of Arana and, and the type of food that we're doing now um, and how we are working with communities to, to get those ingredients and creating projects in communities. Um, wild harvest, propagation, hydroponics, aquaponics, etc. Um, that create businesses within communities. So um, what that's meant essentially is the government that gives a, a $1.25 million grant um, to to continue doing the work with the foundation, set up a database of native ingredients that, that doesn't just have the nutritional information and, um, you know, the chemical breakdown of all those native ingredients, but also the cultural culturally relevant information, be that medicinal or, you know, whether it's tied in with a song line streaming, etc. That's unreal. Um, and there's there's lots of scattered information all around the country, of course, and but it's not all in one place, which is just totally ridiculous so um, we're aiming we're shooting for a thousand ingredients in the first 12 months in that database open source and we're doing it together with the uh, University of Adelaide Botanic Gardens of Australia and the University uh, the South Australian Museum Um, and so we've got 15 academics and professors working on it it's really crazy Um, and so we were out um, at the university and Wake Campus yesterday looking at space for the a test kitchen so all the stuff that we've been doing in my kitchens over the last 15 years will be moved into a sort of test kitchen where you know, for, and and people go, oh, you know, fucking food lab. We've heard it all before, but you know, when when sort of someone in our community said to me, oh, you can eat mangrove seeds, and then I go to a mangrove tree and take a seed and eat it and spit it out because it is fucking disgusting. <laughs> and you know, there's a reason for that because I haven't learned, you know, how how they how they what they do with it and how they use it. <clears throat> Then to learn at a campfire that you know it's cooked at the edge of the fire, salt water poured on top of it, and cooked w- with the ash over sort of you know one hour and then you eat it and you go fucking hell that tastes delicious and then you go, you need somewhere you need to go back and go what happened there like what happened to that it was totally shit ass on the tree and then but an hour later it was amazing the ash is taking the bitterness out so you know for mangrove seeds and there's a number of other ingredients we we make um, ash out of blackwood and then put that in water and we boil mangrove seeds in the ash water it takes all the astringency and the bitterness out of it and then we can then use that as an ingredient now I don't need to tell you how many fucking mangrove trees there are in the country <laughs> um, there's a lot of fucking mangrove seeds there you know um, but that can create an actual huge difference to a community if they're gathering those seeds and sent yeah stream. fucking hell and you know we've got an ingredient that is truly delicious you know so um, you times that by thousands is what you're looking at in terms of ingredients but you know we need somewhere there was nowhere for me to find out about that information and, and that's I guess that part of it the database the test kitchen and then the innovation hub is, is basically the bit that ties all that together you get all that geeky science information you get the tests sort of information you tie that together and make a project in a community that's actually meaningful you know freshwater prawns cherubin you would use them in a restaurant 100% mm-hmm. from spat to 300 gram prawn in 8 months 
Can you imagine 300 grand prawn? Yeah. It's the size of your forearm, bro. Like, <laughs> it's fucking, you know, and if, you, if we, we know that we can grow them that big in eight months and we can do that and grow tanks or ponds all around the country, yeah. that's a really super valuable industry, potentially, and, and even possibly export. So um, it's massive. It's really huge. So we've only... We've only copped enough funding to keep us going probably for about 18 months. So we're sort of on a scrounge looking for, looking for more to keep these academics going and, and, and keep going with the database. But um, it's super exciting. The communities. It, and keep, well, that's it's essentially all it is. We, you know, I got told the first community I went into, I got interviewed by all these elders and then there was just one guy didn't say a fucking word to me. And then when I walked into the community, he just came up to me and grabbed me, looked me in the eye and he said, give back more than you take. That was it. And so that's the fucking mantra that, that I've held by. It's, what, it's the mantra that's in our business in Iran and Blackwood. All of our businesses is, is to do that, whether it's for the chef standing next to you or whether it's uh, in a community. And but so you know, on, on that more cultural level, are, are, the, are the elders in these communities passing on the knowledge that comes with, like, with the ingredients and the techniques to younger people in the communities? Or is there a potential, like, you know, possibility of the, these, these techniques and, and recipes being lost oh, the, 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 a lot of them have been lost already and, and that's the importance of the database you know we know that there are anthropologists who have retired and they've got you know boxes and boxes and boxes of notes and recordings and drawings um, in the spare room stacked up to the ceiling and, and it contains information that is now lost and you know generally speaking aboriginal um, the, the aboriginal people hate sort of hearing that there's a gap but there is a gap and you know I was in Palm Island um, a month ago um, Uncle Frank there was talking about fish you know he, super traditional he got taught by his old man and he got taught by his dad blah, 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 and I was like fuck awesome like it's another one of those experiences that you'll never forget um, and then we got there to dinner and he, he was wrapping a fish in tinfoil and putting it in the fire and it's like you know 15 years ago when I was going into communities you would never have said that mm. you know that's not traditional cooking at mm. all um, I know that but he's you know there is a gap there um, and so it's been really respectful about acknowledging that there's a gap um, filling in the gaps as well there's a lot of 40 odd year olds that co they go back to country and, and want to reconnect with their own land and, and they struggle a little bit because the information's not not so much there anymore so that database and, and all that information is just as much for indigenous people as none yeah, because we, we, we talk about it a lot, it gets brought up a lot, is, you know, that, that the lack of uh, Australian identity as far as an Australian cuisine. Mm. You know, we so easily just go to, like, these early colonial recipes, you know, yeah. like fucking lamingtons and meat pies and that kind yeah. of stuff. It's like, oh, that's Australian food. Yeah. But, you know, there's so much that we're so ignorant towards. And especially when you compare it to, you know, like a lot of Islander communities where that food and, and th their techniques and that culture is so celebrated and, yeah, and easy to so kind revered. of engage with if you're yeah. an outsider. Whereas here, it's just like, you know, for hundreds of years, yeah. we've been so willfully ignorant of it. I, I would love to, you know, at some point with yourself, someone else from the Rana Foundation, even potentially someone from a community, an yeah. elder, and and talk about native foods. Mm. You know, like, I mean, we're, we've all read Dark Emu. Um, and, you know, it's an incredible book. If you haven't read it, yeah. it's Pasco. I've actually read it back to back a few times. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I think that, uh, that's so fascinating to me and I'm sure there's so much that we can learn that we can then, I don't know, like, share. And so, so when that question does come up of, like, what's Australian cuisine and everyone goes, like, oh, you know, salt and pepper squid or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> it would be so great to have a much less ignorant answer well, that, that, that's be, more about be, what, what the country's been for hundreds of years before we yeah, go. It'd be cool to see if you could tie a heaps decent. 
yeah, because I, stuff as well. I have a, a music-based charity where we 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 go to um, community. We've like I, I go to I've, I've been to Will Kenya about yep. which is like um, kind of the almost I mean, the borderline of of South Australia, Victoria, and New South Wales. So yep. it's very inland, um, and <clears throat> as you can imagine, the the the, the, the local the you know traditional food knowledge is pretty pretty minimal there. It's pretty hard to kind of um, to crack and to kind yep. of find out more from, but. Yeah, I mean, and then like Menindi, other all of areas, and that kind of—is it the Murray Darling? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I th- I, uh, you know, what, what's amazing for me is, is I, I, and, and I get asked all the time, you know, what, what you know, what, what, what went wrong? Why is all this not sort of at the forefront of of uh, gastronomy in Australia? At the end of the day, there was a misunderstanding. The guys jumped off the boat, they came on land, and there was a fucking huge misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding... That's one way to say it. <laughs> well, it is. Very, well, very, you know, very uh, polite uh, way of saying it, yeah. You know, ultimately, though, that's where, if you boil it all back down to what was the, the cause, it, there was a misunderstanding, totally, and it's continued and continued and continued, even today, where it's still the same. Mm. You know, people look at an Aboriginal guy with, you know, one front tooth and go, I'm fucking drunk, you know, I got in a fight, whatever. You know, it's like, fucking, he's been, an, he's an initiated man. It's, um, and from a gastronomy point of view, it, it is really interesting. Interesting because their their connection with the land um, that comes through food is really really sophisticated um, and you know I mean hearing them talk about you know cooking stingrays you know Lily comes out on the beach they know that the the stingrays have got fat livers you know and and they they then cook the fish over the fire take the livers out before that and then mix it afterwards you know they're not eating because they're hungry they're, they're, there's a huge amount of deliciousness and, and talking about t- different types of wood and, and whatnot. so it's not you know a lot of people just think they're just eating because they're fucking hungry but you know make no mistake about it some of the stuff that, that we've heard over the last 15 years is incredible and it's all tied in with whether it's delicious or not yeah, well, that's definitely something that I'd love to explore in, in, in full depth over the course mm. of, of a much more, a much longer time yep. than we've given it today on the episode. But um, if we want to learn more about the Orana Foundation, where do we go? Uh, the website? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the Foundation.org, I think it is. Um, <laughs> or, um, uh, or come in the restaurant and, and eat and, you know, let us tell you a few stories and, and walk through it and uh, the usual social media bollocks I'm always available through there I don't know what, what's that um, Zonfrilo okay. it's just my surname okay. pretty much mm-hmm. everything yeah. the surname that you refused to let me say <laughs> in the beginning of the episode because <laughs> it's funny to hear you <laughs> fuck it up like everyone else's <laughs> um, Jake when does uh, the Lansdowne reopen five weeks five weeks five weeks Five weeks. June 15th, we'll have our first show, and that'll be the first night that we're pumping out everything. And uh, we'll do a couple of nights for people in the lead-up, and if you if the lights are on and you see people drinking, come on in and say hi, and we won't be... There's no guess this for those, but, um, yeah, the 15th of June. I'm fucking scared and happy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. We didn't even talk about the food. Fucking pizza. It'll be shit. It's going to be gross. <laughs> um, no, we're doing pizza. Did you put fucking pasta on a pizza last week? Yeah. You if you can't, you yeah. have no leg to stand yeah. on. You should stop talking. If <laughs> <laughs> you look on Mitch's Instagram, he, he made a carbonara pizza. Pizza. Um, that sounds fucking delicious. Your co- the comments thing was like, like so all these people that have been like bullied by Mitch into what a carbonara is, just being like, what the fuck is this, Mitch? <laughs> I, no, I, d- I wanted to cook the pizza base and then put the carbonara on top of it afterwards. Pussy being drunk and aggressive Finnish man that he was on the night decided no we had to cook it and cooking it fucked it 
And Clayton, I put a quote from Clayton after Clayton ate it. He said, this is fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I don't have a leg to stand on, Jackie. <laughs> Maybe next year you can try it your way and see if Clayton thinks <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's any less fucking see, horrible. See, I told you it's going to work out. <laughs> if you had it just done it my way. Of course, uh, you can find Jake uh, sometimes at Mary's at two locations around Sydney uh, or at the Unicorn Hotel. Um, but more likely Lansdowne's where yeah, you're Yeah, and if be. I'm holding a jerry can, just fucking walk away. <laughs> Trust me. Turn around. Just yeah. fucking song, walk. Song of the week. Don't question, just walk. Um, we're going to have to... Who are we going to ask? Who, both but one each. One each? No, we've got one, uh, one song. We're going to have uh, to... Jock, because Jake will come back. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, Jock, what will I do with the final sign-off? You've got to think of a song for us to finish the episode on. Any yes. song. Any um, song. 5446 was my number. Toots and the Metals. Okay. Classic. Never heard of it. Never heard of Toots or the Maytales? I got probably to have when I hear it. I saw when I was... I'm not familiar with When that. I was 19, <laughs> I went and saw them at the Enmore Theatre, Toots and the Maytales and, um, and Burning Spear played the wow. same night. And I got so stoned that I didn't even open my eyes for the entirety of, <laughs> of Burning Spear's set. I, but I just felt it. Just this insane bass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Well, like don't the, spend, don't like spend $70 shit. on a ticket and then get really stoned because you might not remember it. <laughs> Sounds like you remember it perfect. <laughs> uh, you can find The Mitchin online, facebook.com slash The Mitchin, um, or send us an email, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find Mitch there too, at Instacrill on Instagram and Krillin on the run on Twitter. Uh, we're going to launch a Patreon in the next week. Uh, so if you've ever dreamt of supporting this little show, you'll be able to, and there'll be some pretty cool rewards. Give me your money. Uh, that was me start talking give it to me instead <laughs> uh, thank you so much to our guests Jock and Jake thanks thank you thanks for having me and uh, we'll see you next week at the Mitchin Table <laughs>